to be back with you all. Um, let us stand for the hearing of God's Word. Um, thank you, Sam, for praying uh, for the hearing and preaching of the Word already. This is from Acts 1, verses 1 to 11. Luke says, In the first book, O Theophilus, which was his Gospel to Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had spoken. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here ends the reading of God's word. Please be seated. So we're looking at this passage, and we're turning it into a three-part uh, series, I am anyway, uh, and we're looking at, oh, thank you, Janice is passing out the verses that we'll be covering today. You wanted it now, right? Yes, now, yes. Last week we looked at the, um, well, sorry, we're looking at the work of the Trinity, um, sorry again about the, the the title of it, the work of the Trinity and the establishment of the church. It's kind of one of those long ones. Like you ever read an old 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 book, pick it up, and the, the title is about two paragraphs long. Kind of way to fit with this. Um, but I wanted to kind of point out that that something we forget in the establishment of the church. We rightly know it's about Christ. We are Christ's body, the church. But we sometimes forget or don't focus on the fact that there is the Trinity at work. It, it struck me when I was reading this uh, recently, this passage, that Jesus, how much Jesus mentions the Father and the Spirit. He, he brings the Trinity in. Uh, he shows it that there is, it's all three of them working together. So it's the Father's plan, and it's going to be the Spirit's power. He tells them they're going to, to, they need to wait, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon them, then they will be his witnesses. We're going to look at that next time. That's going to be the, the power of the Spirit, the Spirit's power. Today we're going to look at the Son's purpose, because we, we saw a bit last week with the Father's plan that this it, Jesus himself is part of the Father's plan, and as, as are we, as is his church. It's a great work, but today we're going to look at the, the Son's purpose. It struck me, uh-oh, sorry for the, for the uh, tape. I know it's not a tape, guys, but for the recording, that was... Um, that was me breaking my leg. Don't worry about it. I'll be kind of fine. Um, okay. Let's see. There we go. Um, this was not intentional, this, this series. Um, intentional in the sense that 
it seems to be a good time to talk about these things as you're looking at the very question, what is our purpose as a church? Uh, Sam and Carl have shared with me just when we heard this last week that uh, you guys are kind of at a crossroads and the the PCA or the the Presbytery is asking you to um, kind of reflect on on what you want to be as a church, where you want to go as a church, um, how you want to accomplish the things that God's calling you to do. And so it just seems like this is a, a great passage for that. And so I'm going to kind of focus kind of on on not the small picture, the particular picture of who you want to be in, in terms of your makeup in this community, but the bigger picture of who we are all to be, of what's our purpose. And we find our purpose is to be Christ's purpose. We begin, we find this in the, um, in verse 6, when the disciples ask, a, the, that's the question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They saw Jesus' purpose as to restore Israel to its greater glory, to restore the tribes, because right now they're split. They're, Judea uh, was uh, primarily the, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, and then uh, the northern kingdom, which is now Samaria, Judea was Samaria, um, was the com- the ten tribes that were kind of dispersed, well they actually weren't dispersed so much as the, the, the uh, Assyrians brought in other, uh, other um, tri- tribes and peoples and intermixed with them. They kind of lost their identity. They called it the lost tribes uh, of Israel. This is all going to be restored. It was promised to be restored in Isaiah and other places. And they thought this was the time. This is it. And we saw last week they, they missed the bigger picture of God's plan. And, we, and when Jesus says in this, his answer, he doesn't answer it the way they think he's going to answer it. And a lot of people nowadays think he's just deflecting. He's just saying, hey, no, don't worry about it right now. This is going to come about. But no, he's not answering. He's not deflecting um, right now. Um, he is correcting. And, and to understand that, we, we, we see his uh, response he said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that my father is fixed by his own authority. That was the plan of God we talked about last week. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. That's next week, but this week. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And there in that answer, there are two phrases that he brings out that should have driven the disciples back to the book of Isaiah. In fact, it drives us back to the book of Isaiah. Because the Old Testament is the background for Christ. It is the purpose of Christ. It's all contained in there. And so he's quoting Isaiah 49.6. Um, where he says, the Lord says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant. He's talking to the Messiah to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel have kept. That's what the disciples are asking for. That's what Israel is looking for. That's what the first believers are looking for. It's too small a thing. That's not the plan. He says, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Jesus is quoting this. And Jesus, will come back to this, is also quoting the part about being the servants. Because where he says, you will be, I'm sorry, witness. He says, you'll be my witnesses He's quoting where God says, you will be my witnesses, but he focuses on the work of the servant. 
But right now, let's look, what does it mean to, to be a light for the Gentiles? His answer is, in, in, in this whole passage here, this passage and what we're going to speak is, is central to Christ's purpose and to our purpose. When you're asking the question, what do we want to be as a church or a family or a person, we need to look at this because this is God's purpose for the world. This is God's purpose for us. We need to, to know what that is. And we understand it's Christ's purposes. And, and when we fulfill those, that's where we find fulfillment. So Christ's purpose is to be light. Now, by the way, I didn't catch until recently that that phrase, to the ends of the earth, is not just here in the Old Testament. It drives us back even farther. Just kind of like last week, we looked at the plan of God not beginning in Isaiah. It began at creation. So, being a light to the world begins at creation. And we find that in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out to the earth, to all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The Father is saying to the Messiah, which we find to be the Son, well, actually we knew it was always going to be the Son, it's the Son of David, but it's God's greater Son. In Psalm 2, God says He's going to establish His Son on Zion, His holy hill. And the, the early church, the, 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 the Jews, knew that that was King David, but it was also all of the kings that followed David in David's line. And ultimately, it was to be the Messiah, the greater Son of God, that He would be established on this hill, on the, the, the and God's holy hill, which is not just Jerusalem, but, but Zion, it, God's right hand, His ruling from heaven. But here, He points out that He's to be this light, the light that was promised in, in Psalm 19, that, that was put in the heavens for us to, to understand that this is the creation is all about God. It speaks to the ends of the earth. Well, what's interesting is Paul points to this passage and says this is fulfilled in Christ. In Romans 10, he's answering the question that people are asking, Have not Israel, has not Israel heard the gospel? How can they believe if they haven't heard? And he, the Lord, he says in Romans 10, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For, and he quotes this, Psalm 19, their voice has gone out into all the earth and the words to the end of the earth. He is saying they've heard of Christ. He's not just saying they've heard of God, they've actually heard of Christ. And taking that together, we understand that Christ was not just revealed to us in the scriptures, he's revealed to us in nature. He's revealed to us as the result of God's creation, but also the one who created. He's the one who put the heavens together. The, the, the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, in Psalm 19, it was, it was presented as the message of God to the world. It's to draw us to Him, to, sh to, to prove that 
there is a creator God, that there is not just a, a, a bunch of, of idols and false gods. There's one true creator God that's calling us to himself and calls us to the hearing of his word. I'm not going to go into the rest of Psalm 19. I've got some of it printed there. Uh, but it also struck me that um, Psalm 19 goes into the law of God, and that the law of God is, is um, uh, perfect. Um, and verse 11, But moreover by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. It was always odd to me that, that we see this great passage in, in Psalm 19 about the glory of God and, 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 and how creation speaks of God. It's a testimony of God. It, it tells us that there is a God and we're accountable to Him. And then it kind of talks about the law of God. Well, what brings it together is Christ. It was always meant to cause us, creation is always meant to cause us to search farther. It was always caused men to, to look for something greater than themselves. If, there's, if this is out there which is so much greater than themselves, then there must be someone to whom we're accountable. And we know that internally. God has put that inside of us, according to Romans 1. So mankind was without excuse. This light of God in creation. But it turns out it was never meant to just be something that drew us to God. It was specifically to draw us to salvation in Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul can say, this is fulfilled in Christ. They have heard of Christ because Christ was foretold in God's word. Christ was foretold in the law of God, both in his actions and in his holiness. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be as his witnesses. We are to be light to the world. We are to reflect that there's something greater than ourselves. We're to, to not just present our lives in our words and our actions as this is all about us. This is all there is. No, we're to, to present it as something that's greater than ourselves. That there is a God that we are accountable to and that the, everyone's accountable to. And there's no real fulfillment in life. There's no real accomplishment in life. There's no real true relationship with other people. There's no real meaning to life apart from this God. We can't find that in ourselves. It has to be beyond us. And God has been gracious because we can't approach Him any longer. We've fallen, we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need an access to the Father. We need someone who's going to restore us. He's going to restore our fortunes back to God. Just as Israel needed restoring their fortunes back to God, their lives back to God. It's too small a thing to think we can do this on our own. That we have some way of coming back to God. No, He's provided a Savior to do that. And that's why we are not just God's witnesses. We are Christ's witnesses. In Psalm... Um, uh, I'm going say Isaiah 43, uh, 10 to 11. This is kind of wraps... These two chapter, verses here, chapters, Isaiah 43 and Isaiah 55 talking about witnesses, kind of envelops this whole idea in, in Isaiah 49 about being God's servant to go to the ends of the earth. He's already told him, he, he says, you are to be my witnesses, talking to Israel, and my servant in whom I have chosen. You may know, know and believe me and understand that I am he. First of all, they were to be witnesses to one another, but it was ultimately to, be to the great servant who is also to be called Israel, where all the promises of Israel were to be fulfilled where all of the love of God was to be poured into, uh, he was to be the ultimate witness of God and bring the rest of Israel and ultimately the world with him. And it was, he, he, and it, 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 we're, we're to de- declare, he was to declare, before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. 
So we're to be declaring to the world with Christ that God is the true God. There is no other. There is no other gods to be worshipped. That's the, the, the danger of, of, of our life. It's the danger of, of heresies in the church, which you, you mentioned, um, uh, the, the, the heresies of, of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of heresies today. There's heresies, uh, there's one church that particularly, they, they call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ, but they declare their, their main theology is that we're all going to be gods. There are a lot of people buying into this kind of theology, but it's not just from the Christians, it's from the world itself that declares. You can all be gods. You can be your own god. And every day we live our life apart from Christ, every day we live our lives in, in the sight of others as if it all revolves around us, if, as if I am the only thing that matters, or my family's the only thing that matters, or my job's the only thing that matters, or my desires are the only thing that matters. We're declaring false gods and we're leading people astray and that's not what we're called to be we're, see, see that's why we're not our own witnesses we are God's witnesses we are Christ's witnesses Christ would not even say that he was his own witness he was the witness of something greater than himself the father is that that's even possible because they're all the trinity that's another whole another thing another discussion how can one be greater than the other? Well, it depends on what the calling is, what the, the, the service is to each other. The Holy Spirit serves the Father and the Son. The Son serves the Father. To, they serve each other. The Father serves by sending the, the, the Spirit on behalf of the Son. It, 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 it's, it's loving service to each other. The, the Father served the Son, serves the Son by raising Him back up from the dead. So, Anyway, that's 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 a that's sorry. I should have given you a, a, a rabbit trail warning right there. Um, but let's go on. There's what else is this about being a witness? In Isaiah 55, he says, "I will make you with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David." He's talking now to the Messiah. Behold, I make him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a command commander for the peoples. Sorry, the book of Isaiah is a little weird when it comes to that. It switches back between the, the second person and third person a lot, or third person plural, you, and then him, uh, or, or they. Uh, in this case, he's kind of turning, he's talking to the servant, he's turning to the people and, 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 and saying, um, saying that I make him a witness to the people, leader and commander for the peoples. And then he turns back to the Messiah and says, Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Talking, yes, to Israel, but ultimately to the Messiah. Yet he will make him a witness to the people. So this idea of being a witness to God is, is not just to declare the general glories of God, it's to draw people into himself. It was never meant to just be a statement of faith or a statement of, of the great glory of God. He's not glorified in just creation. He's glorified in redemption. That's the greater plan. That's the way he's always with him. It was an everlasting covenant. And we understand that this everlasting covenant was made with the Son from before time. In fact, back up in your, in your uh, verses there, John 5, 39, Jesus brings us all together. He brings this whole idea of 
of Isaiah, of Psalm 19, about the glory of God and, and the in creation and also in the Word of God. And he says to, he's talking to the, um, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me. The scriptures from beginning to end have talked about Christ, just as creation from the beginning to end has talked about Christ. And it's not just about the second person of the Trinity, it's about this one who would come and restore people back to God. So Christ's purpose was to call people to God, to bring people to God. And if Christ's purpose is that, it's our purpose as well. Luke 19, Jesus declares... um, what his purpose was. The Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. Peter sums it up in 1 Peter 3.18. By the way, um, John Piper at one point um, said that he believes this is the best summary of the gospel in, in the scriptures. The shortest summary. It says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. We tend to think of the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ, just in terms of the facts of Jesus. Jesus came, lived a righteous life, suffered on our behalf. This is 1 Corinthians um, 15. He he rose from the dead, and he died, he rose from the dead, and he sent into heaven. A lot of times we stop there. But the gospel has always been more than that. If you look at, for example, in the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 1, there's this whole great discussion on, on, or not discussion, a declaration of what the gospel is, the gospel of, of God, the Father, and of His Son, Jesus Christ. But it ends up talking about us. We are part of the gospel. The gospel is, is good news. It's always about us being included in the Trinity, amazing as that sounds, in relationship with Him. And, and that's what we see in 1 Peter 3.18. It, it's not just suffering for sins, not just dying for our sins, declaring us righteous in the sight of God, it's it might bring us to God. That quote we had in the beginning of the reflection from J.I. Packer, for Christ, um, justification is the basic blessing on which adoption is founded. Adoption is the crowning blessing. That's what it's all about. That's what we're being called to. That's why it's such a great purpose as a church, because we're called to call the world back to God. But it isn't just the world in general. It's, Jesus says, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. It starts at home. It started, the church started in Jerusalem. They didn't leave Jerusalem and start spreading out until God pushed them out. God brought some persecution and moved them out. And wherever they went, they had success and they had persecution. They kept going other places. And finally, well, some people from the beginning, but finally the church as a whole got the idea. We were never meant to be here. It was always meant to be the starting place and go out, but it was never meant to abandon the starting place. It begins with us. We need to call each other back to faith, back to reliance on God, back to relationship, because we all wonder. We're all like sheep together. We've all gone astray. That's why in our worship service, we look at those passages about on the law of God to, to remind us where we fall short and where we need forgiveness, where we need His strength. So it starts in Jerusalem, and then 
other people have pointed out, you know, Judea and Samaria, the, the, the greater community, you know, our work, our, 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 um, our, our relationships um, with friends, our relationships with wherever our kids are, uh, in sports, whatever it is, we, that's kind of our Judea. And then Samaria, which is, that was the mixed mixture. That wasn't the pure Jews or anything. That was those who were half Jews, half Gentiles. Um, they, you know, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, he, he wasn't a clean Jew. Uh, yet he was the one who showed the cleanness of God in, in, in the love of God. And so it's those we don't necessarily care to want to associate with. They're not our natural affini- affiliation or affinity group, as, as Sam pointed out. We are to seek out the unclean. And then, of course, the greater purpose of missions. But it, missions is just a part of what the church is. So whatever you're looking to do, to be as a church, wherever you, you believe God calls you to be because of the gifts and, and nature of the people that are in this congregation, um, you've got to start here. It all begins here. It all begins, we are Christ's witnesses. We're His witnesses, not our witnesses, and we have His purposes. It's no wonder that Paul, and I'm going to do this in closing, um, Paul in the book of Ephesians, in one of his great doxologies, that word of glory, that word of praise, says this to the, about the Father, to Him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. God's glory is not just in the Messiah, but it's in the church, it's in the redeemed people who are called to Him to be His sons and daughters with His full rights and privileges of His own Son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and to be Your witness. And we thank you that you called us into this great family of God, your, your family, that you've given us a, an elder brother, you've given us a, a heavenly father that we so, so desperately needed. You've um, given us to each other in this family. Um, we ask that you would continue to make us witnesses, enable us to be witnesses of your uh, your great message, your great call, the message of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, enable us for this great purpose as individuals, as a church, uh, a local church, and as your church um, eternal, your church worldwide, your church triumphant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.